You're on the panel on RNZ National with me, Wallace Chapman, uh, Lavina Good and Connor English joining me today and Dark Side of the Moon, 50 years old today, your Pink Floyd uh, memories and, um, yeah, your memories. Uh, Come on through, a uh, huge response, so keep them coming, 2101 by text. But turning our attention to Tairawhiti, first up, localised flash floods washed a car down a creek and inundated several homes in Mangapapa and Riverdale yesterday. We need a break. We need to be able to get all our energy into recovery, Gisborne Mayor Rahesh Dodd said. Farmers there say they've had an, an overwhelming task ahead of them, and whilst the rains abated somewhat in the sun's out, people are still recovering from the incessant rains with us. Local resident Matt Dawson joins us from uh, Gisborne. Kia ora, Matt. Kia ora. Thanks for having me. It's uh, lovely to have you on. Give us an update now. What's it like there at the moment? Um, well, it's all about clean-up at the moment. The sun's out for a couple of days, I think, so it's yeah, it's good to get a bit of a break, but um, we need we need a month of sunshine, really, to you know, sort things out. So, yeah, you can... Uh, th- those words uh, by the Gisborne Mayor, I can imagine, Matt, really resonate with yourself and others. You know, we need a break. We've got to have a lot of dry weather. Definitely, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a builder. Um, we do a lot of insurance work. I work for my dad. Um, we've been doing work up the coast all the way to Wairau. And, yeah, we've just seen the, the widespread damage, and, yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah, we've got a panel with us, Matt. Let's bring them in, eh? Lavina. Yeah, g'day, Matt. Um, I was with a couple last weekend from Gisborne, and they are really anxious and quite frightened at the moment. They're, every time it rains, that they, they freak out, and they're so nervous to be home. But one thing that they did say to me was that they'd seen in the community um, the hapuri that had come together, as a result of what had happened, and even though it doesn't ease the pain, they had noticed that they were really impressed with how the community had come together and also with the love and support from the rest of the nation. Have you noticed that yourself, uh, where you are, the fact that communities are supporting you and that people outside of the community are thinking about you and trying to help you? Yep, definitely. There's been a lot of support locally, and, yeah, at the moment it's all about helping each other out and, you know, just doing what we can do. Um We've got about 10 crews, you know, just dedicated just to the flood damage. So, um, yeah, we're doing what we can at the moment. Yeah. Connor? Oh, look, it's heartbreaking um, <clears throat> seeing the, the, you know, the pictures of what's been happening up there. I haven't been up there since uh, since the rains, but it's, um, you know, you really, really feel for people who've got houses full of silt and, and I can understand. I can understand how it would be anxious, increase anxiety, seeing more water come out of the sky. I mean, one of the things about droughts, which are, you know, pretty tough, at least you don't have to deal with the aftermath of water. And it just is going to take a long time to to get uh, back to where they were the day before the the rain started. So you're... Yeah, yeah, keep going, Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it was nice to hear the rain on the roof, but now, yeah, every time it's going to rain, it's, yeah, it's just this feeling of stress and uncertainty. Mm. So there is that added that there is that added on top of uh, on top of the devastation. There's only so much we can talk about resilience, isn't there, Matt? When you, as you say, you hear that rain, and your mind just goes, "Okay, what will this bring?" Definitely. Well, like the cyclone was one thing, but to have a flash flood 
you know, a couple of weeks after that, it's, you know, you, you can't do anything. The, the ground's too wet to work and it's, it's dangerous. Like, yeah, I, yeah, it's surreal. Yeah, and just finally, Matt, in terms of uh, you're a builder, what you're seeing, what 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 are the main challenges for you and your team? Are we talking about houses that are completely uh, unsalvageable or major and extensive renovations? What are, what are you really working on? Well, some of our workers they've been told that the water has gone right up to the the ceiling of the roof, so you know that's replacing jib and the the frames, and that's it's a lot of work, but then you've got other houses that have had like 300 mils of rain, and you know it's 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 manageable. But um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, and yeah, it's just going to take a lot of money to get back on track. Go well, Matt. Nice to have you on the program, Kiara. Thank you. Quite something, isn't it, Lavina? Quite something to uh, listen to. Yeah, that, I just think it's so evident to everyone that no matter how much money you've got and how much control you like to have, Wallace, you'll never control Mother Nature. And that's why there's oh. so much fear and anxiety at the moment because you just don't know what is around the corner. And a couple of years ago, Gisborne was crying out for rain and needed water. And now, you know, they have so much of it and their water infrastructure isn't coping with it. But y- your heart goes out to them and uh, we're thinking of them. And, and obviously, as a nation, we'll do as much as what we possibly can mm. to help and assist them. Now also joining us is Tim Lister, Station Officer at Tairawhiti Fire and Emergency NZ. Tim, kia ora, good to have you on the panel. Kia ora, kia ora, how are you? Good, thank you, Tim. And you've, I mean, you've been involved with the initial cleanup. I mean, you've seen the, you know, devastation firsthand, and I hear that, you know, images just don't do it justice. Yeah, um, the city itself got off relatively easily, really. Um, sorry, bar a few houses that were affected, but our outskirts, Tekaraka, et cetera, it was devastation right across the board. Mm. Um, Yeah, we we have obviously a response. We had no communications for the first three days, so no one-on-one calls. Uh, We're relying on people actually coming in and telling us that there was an incident. Luckily, um, we didn't have too many majors during that time. And that is something that actually Prime Minister Chris Hipkins brought up today at a stand-up, just that, uh, and I guess this will be followed up in time in, in terms of a debrief or an inquiry, just that real lack of communication at the start made information patchy and things really tough. Yeah, definitely heartbreaking, um, especially for people that can't reach their whanau. Um, you have no idea if they're alive or they're dead or they've been displaced or they've been unaffected at all. Um, mm. I do feel for those people. Yeah, and Tim, you've also helped clean up local marae, um, being red-stickered, I understand? Yes. Um, luckily, once, once we finished the response stage, we moved into a recovery stage, which um, freed up crews to go and assist um, areas that needed it. We went, uh, my crew personally, went out to Tekaraka on Saturday and Sunday just to give the Tekaraka Fire Brigade a bit of a break. And um, while we were there, we weren't going to sit around. We got up and helped at the local marae, removing silt, and also at the local school, which was opening up this week, luckily. Yeah, very good, Tim. Let's, uh, uh, Levine, you got any uh, added thoughts or comments or questions on that? 
No, just just my concern for the area. And yeah. like I said, I was with some friends last week, Wallace, and they were first of all so pleased to be able to have communication and yes. contact. And then uh, they said to me, we're going home and we just don't know what it's going to be like. Every single time it rains, they're just so concerned and worried. Yeah, stay there, Tim, Connor. Oh, look, it's a lot of uncertainty, isn't it? And that, that creates anxiety and, and uh, I don't know, I just hope, hope we get back to normal up there. Yeah. Hey, now, Tim, just in terms of roading access, what do you yourself know about uh, uh, how well access is now by road? Uh, currently, we can get through to Wairau, uh, not exactly on a good state, but it is accessible. Um, and up the coast, we can go as far as um, we, we can't get to Tokumara Bay from this side, so you've got to go right around the other side to get... Um, even close to them to help them out. So, um, yeah, feeling of helplessness, really, and hopefully we can get some crews in there to give the guys yeah. some break. Uh, absolutely, uh, Tim. Uh, just in terms of, uh, you know, as uh, the Mayor said, we, we need a break. We need to be able to get all our energy into recovery. You heard Matt there. He's a builder, desperately needs some a long spell of sunshine or fine weather to, to help out. Is that what you're asking for as well? Just uh, a, de- a decent spell of fine weather. Look, sky, sky today, it's blue. It's very... It's a very nice change from what we've been, as I heard Matt say about the flash floods on Monday, Monday evening, Tuesday morning. Uh, that affected a whole different part of town that was relatively unaffected by the cyclone itself. So a whole fresh, fresh um, craziness in an area that wasn't affected beforehand. And uh, I saw that firsthand, um, the, the flooding, which was crazy all around Mangapapa. Tim, nice to have you here. Kia ora. That's Tim Lister, Station Officer at Tairawhiti Fire and Emergency NZ. I do apologise uh, about that dodgy line. A wonderful uh, uh, Pink Floyd thoughts coming through. Of course, it's the, today is the uh, 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. We wouldn't go on so much about an album, but it's a very significant album. It must be one of the most significant albums of all time, surely. Uh, one here, uh, a bloke at the Toronto Youth Hostel had a spare ticket to Floyd's show in 87 and invited me. Not just the music, the accompanying videos on circular screen just blew my mind. It was amazing, says Vicky. Never to be forgotten. 18 past four, the panel, Lavina Good and Connor English with me this afternoon. Nice to have your company. And another news, Rob Campbell was sacked from Tefata Order by Health Minister Aisha Verrill yesterday afternoon. Uh, just after the panel, actually, he delivered a blunt critique of National Party leader Christopher Luxon and National's new water policy on LinkedIn, accusing the National Party of blowing the dog whistle on co-governance regarding their three waters policy. Uh, Rob Campbell has held high-profile positions, including chairing Sky City, Somerset and Tourism Holdings, one of the highest-ranking independent directors in the country. Uh, so should you... Can you have a personally held opinion and post it when you're a leader in the public sector? Ian Powell is the editor of the Health Systems blog, Otai Hunger Second Opinion, and a former executive director of the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists. He keeps a very, very close watch, close watch on health policy overall. Kia ora, Ian. Kia ora, Wallace. So things moved pretty quickly on this, didn't they? Either resign or be sacked. 
What do you think? Was this the right move? Well, well, the first point to make is that what Rob Campbell said was unwise. There is a tricky... Um, um, there, there's a sense of the where, right, a line you draw between your responsibility chairing a Crown entity and uh, your private views on um, issues unrelated to that. Uh, but I think that both uh, the fact that he, he, he did it in such a... the way in which he did it, including the tone of it, Cross the line uh, badly. Having said all that, I think the response of the government was was over the rea- it was it was an overreaction. I think that they should have given him a, 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 a metaphorical thick ear, um, but uh, and moved on from it. Okay, that's interesting. So um, he should have had a metaphorical thick ear uh, and an overreaction. Here's a a text. Generations in my family have been staunch Labour voters today for the first time in my 77 years because of the seriously creepy sacking of Rob Campbell. I'm wavering. I'll come to the panel shortly. Um, But Health NZ, Ian, is a major pivotal health reform by this government, does this debacle undermine it? Uh, it contributes towards it. It's not undermining in its own right. Uh, the, it's, in fact, uh, Te Whatawara has already been undermined, I think, by the fact that they came into its role under, unprepared. Uh, the groundwork that should have been done by the transition unit was not done sufficiently. And secondly, there are major flaws in the restructuring itself. So um, they're on a hiding to nothing to start with. But I think that if you look at it, Te Whatawara started right right back, well, not right back, you know, eight months ago on the 1st of July last year. What we've seen since that time is both the health minister who devised the system, who pushed it through um, mm. and was on board at the time, uh, has been removed from his position and demoted in Cabinet. And within a little longer, soon after that, now the chair of the major part of this restructuring, Health New Zealand, has now been sacked as well. Now, what that does, that doesn't it doesn't destabilise the system because it's already destabilised because of the failure to address workforce shortages. But it adds to the lack of confidence in, in decision making at the top and decision making in in the direction of the health system. It's very hard for a clinician in the front line or any other part of the system to actually have confidence that this health system has been well-led when it's dysfunctional at the top. Goodness. Okay. All right, Lavina. Yeah, Ian, from what I understand, um, Rob Campbell took part in a public service commission briefing apparently just last year, which was based on the importance of neutrality. So he's he's also been spoken to a couple of times about getting involved in politically contentious issues. Uh, last August, I think it was with Chloe Swarbrick's bill on banning sports booze, plus uh, an opinion piece that he did. So I think he got the ear flick before. <laughs> I think he's been flicked in the ear before, but he's he's taken it to a new level. Um, also, he's not an employee. He actually serves as a uh, the pleasure of the ministers. So in a way, uh, he needs to abide by some rules and he's not. He's living by the sword and unfortunately dying by the sword as well. I was also a little confused that his attack basically had nothing really to do with health. It was on water and also co-governance. So, yeah, I think um, he'll face the consequences of his actions 
And in regards to Te Whata Ora, which is, as you mentioned, Ian, only eight months old, they're a, a little bit unravelling at the moment and certainly the pressure would be on Aisha Varal, who is the new health minister. Yeah, Good stay, luck there. To her. Oh, stay there. I'll keep going, Ian. Yeah. Yeah, look, first of all, uh, there's no doubt that the minister was well within her authorities and rights to make the decision that she did. Um, there's no doubt about that, and there's no doubt about it that he was out, out of line. But what you're saying there, though, uh, is that um, is, is true, but it's not the full picture. This, I anticipated this happening a while ago for reasons not just what you've mentioned, but Rob Campbell has been you know, a work in progress in this. He came into the role knowing very little about the his system, health system, but not knowing what he didn't know, but purporting that he did. And he made some generalised statements at the time, blaming the previous system for the problems that the system was now in. Now, um, as he then started to get to know it more, and to give him his due, he was visiting doctors and visiting nurses and other health professionals in the workplace, including emergency departments, he started to realise that that was too simplistic a view. And right, in fact, in his favourite means of communication, and this is a criticism of him in, in a way, uh, LinkedIn, um, he um, said just before Christmas that he actually was apologising to some of the assertions that he'd made in the past, and he was pointing the finger more at the central government level in terms of the problems. Now, that's contrary, and that was getting up the wick of the government in a big way. His view on the use of business consultants, uh, as it happens, is... Um, um, very similar to my own. And, uh, you know, getting business consultants to devise a health system is like uh, getting Wayne Brown to write a book on etiquette. Uh, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Um, and um, But he was actually, as recently as two or three days ago, he was he was interviewed, been published interview in Business Desk, reaffirming his comments that business consultants did not give the government value for money. And that's my view, too. But yeah, in okay. the same interview, same with that article, government is criticising it. So he was too much of a free thinker as well. And then he, now, and then he crossed the line. Let's bring Connor in. Uh, yeah, well, look, I've, I've been a director on ESOE, you know, appointed by the Labor New Zealand First um, government, and I don't think they would have any expectation that I'd go out and criticise them or or um, an opposition party. I don't, I don't think it really matters who the politicians are. If you want to be a politician, go and be a politician. If you want to be mm. a chair of a board, be a chair of a board. And, you know, his, he sh- his focus should be on getting... Um, whatever you call it, the Ministry of Health, I'll call it, uh, you know, humming and uh, talking about three waters uh, in, a, in a public forum, criticising politicians. Uh, it doesn't really matter who the politicians are. I'm just I, I just think it's a big distraction. Okay, okay. I'm, just, I'm just thinking, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, I noticed uh, there was actually an uh, interesting uh, tweet by actually former colleague Damien Christie. He said, look, there needs to be a maturity about these things. People should be able to express opinions unless it seriously undermines the ultimate boss, the government, while understanding they might get booted when the other lot get into power. Here's a person, uh, Ian, who is obviously uh, very, very frustrated at uh, some of the things that has or has not been going on at Health NZ, wants to get things um, rolling and wants to actually um, actually ignite things. Uh, things like inequality, inequality for Māori and Pacifica, get things going. And perhaps the only way he feels he can do that is actually to put a bit of a nudge on LinkedIn or what have you. I think, I, I mean, I agree, except that, uh, and, and, and certainly Rob Campbell has been very strong on promoting the need to address health inequities, and he's been very, 
he's espoused that well um, and with considerable passion. But what uh, I would say is that he went beyond. This was this was beyond a nudge. Um, it might have been okay, just in a very measured way, to um, to to express your views on a, on a party's policy on three waters uh, and why three waters is important. Because actually, it is important as a public health issue, among other things. But um, he just this was more of a nudge. It was a quite a thump, really. He he went over right. the top. But I still think it was an overreaction. But he did deserve a quite a severe reprimand. I think, I think I think if the beat was on the other foot and the political parties were different, playing in different roles, I, I think you know there'd be plenty of people who are saying it's an overreaction now who'd be saying the exact opposite. Okay, can I also raise this, Ian? Because uh, and maybe this is even the bigger issue. Some have said that since the twenty DHBs were disestablished and centralised. Nothing's changed, and in fact, the issues in health appear to be getting worse. And I think that uh, Hutt Valley DHB Dr. Richard Stein said that nothing has changed. The DHB's dismantled. Health is in a crisis. What's happened? Well, I think first of all, Andrew Little pretend, tried to argue that Health New Zealand was a magic bullet. And you don't have magic bullets in health systems. He hyped up what one could expect from it. Secondly, that they were underprepared. And thirdly, um, what we can. I was talking to a GP yesterday about um, um, a, 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 an integrated system they have for di- um, diabetes in the Welling- wider Wellington area. Getting frustrated now because with Health New Zealand because they're saying um, what they're doing doesn't fit in with our, our funding stream even though they've been doing it for some time, but their funding streams were more horizontal with the DHB. Now they're vertical. Somehow that is a problem for those that are running Health New Zealand. Um, and it's the, the, you, you, you magnify that across the whole system. What it's done is actually it's disrupted the effectiveness of, make, of decision-making. And, um, you know, that doesn't affect how a patient is treated on the operating table, but it does affect a whole lot of other things um, uh, before you get to that stage. Very interesting. There'll be more to come out uh, around this, I'm sure. For now, though, we have, oh, that was uh, Ian Powell, editor of the Health Systems blog, Otahanga, Second Opinion, former executive director of the Association of Salaried Medical Specialists. Yeah, quite a bit of response regarding uh, Rob Campbell there. Is it just, on a final note, uh, Lavina, is it also somewhat a teachable moment on what to share or not to share on Twitter, Facebook, and indeed LinkedIn. Yeah, any form of social media. I absolutely agree. And even though it's, a, I'm sure that Rob says that that was a, a personal opinion on a personal format, you've just got, got to be really careful. Also, he had to abide by the code of contact. He's signed up for that and he didn't stick to it. And lots of people didn't sign up to the code of contact and it's their free right. But when you're subject to a, like a public service commission's code of contact and a section says, we do not make political statements or engage in political activity in relation to the functions of the Crown, you need to stick with it. So maybe don't put it on your social media, just have a conversation with a few mates right. on a Friday night about it, Rob. <laughs> A phone call, just, uh, I mean, you're well-placed to um, to talk about this as well. Connor, as you said, former director, SOE, you know, chairman of agribusiness. Uh, do you have to mind uh, or zip it when it comes to LinkedIn? Uh, yeah, well, I don't use LinkedIn much, actually, but a, a, a bit like yourself. Um, you know, Wallace, I mean, I'm sure you'll have personal views that you won't express in public. 
because they're just personal views. So I think everyone has sort of got that issue, don't they? And, and social media is very definitely a public forum. It's not a private right. forum. All right. Uh, you're on the panel on RNZ National. Levina Good and Connor English with me this afternoon. It's time for Headlines with Karen McCarthy.